Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is entitled How to Improve Your Relationships by Improving Yourself, originally produced and published by Sarah Bauer of the Art of Play podcast. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. This is the first episode in our series on relationships. As a reminder, this series is coming at the end of the year of 2020, the year we all had to lean on each other, help each other, and be mindful of each other. This is also walking us into the season meant to be for connection. The holiday season is a time of year we gather as families and friends and the communities that we have built and foster and and also sort of create a bound a binding between our collective natures. This series is meant to guide us to uh, be more mindful about how our relationships in this world began and and how we leaned on those who cared for us or made connections with us. Today's episode is an interview with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She is a wise and brilliant leader in a march to restore the ability that women have to tap into what they innately want, into, into their desires. And we aren't going to go into um, most of what she actually delves into, which is intimate relationships. So this episode is safe to listen with with young ears around. I really want to have her back next year when we dive more deeply into um, maybe playful uh, intimate relationships or playful marriages sort of thing. That will come later. Um, But right now we're just going to talk about... um, sort of her research and body of work in guiding specifically women in intimate relationships to tap back into the person they are as an individual and not as any other role they have chosen or feel expected to perform as. Her work has personally affected my life and my marriage, and I cannot stress enough the importance of her message. I really encourage you to look into her other work as well. After you've listened to this episode, I will link her her podcast library in the show notes. But um, she really does get into the nitty gritty of some very juicy topics that are enlightening and uh, fascinating together. So let's jump right to this interview and then we'll recap at the end. Uh, okay, Dr. Finlayson Fife, why don't you tell the good people why you're here? <laughs> okay, so yes, I'm Jennifer Finlayson Fife. I live in Chicago and I have a private practice of where I do, I'm licensed as a clinical therapist here in Illinois, but I do a lot of online teaching and coaching and consulting in helping couples have uh, more intimate uh, relationships. And so that is both in the emotional realm and the sexual realm. And so I wrote my dissertation on LDS women and sexual agency. And so I've done a lot of work around sexuality and particularly as it relates to women and their sense of desire and their self and sexual development. Um, so that's that's my background and that's the kind of um, teaching and instruction that I do. Yes, and I will say that she's extremely um, concise in what she does, but it, it really hits home. What, what mm-hmm. you teach is really, it's sounds basic when you hear it and then you dive in and it's just so deep in all of mm-hmm. the relationship building and relationship mm-hmm. with self and things like that. It's really, it's a phenomenal work that you do. So thank, thank you, you for being here. Thank um, you. Okay. So let's talk about, maybe let's start talking about how would somebody 
as an adult now, tap back into those maybe vivacious feelings or feelings of excitement that maybe they felt in their earlier life? What, what kind of um, outline could you give somebody that wants to feel that way again? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I think you have to value it. And I think a lot of us have learned to devalue play and vivaciousness. Um, those of us who have a very strong superego, you know mm-hmm. what I mean by that, this sense of duty and responsibility. And of course, that matters in life. And it certainly matters in adulthood um, when you're a parent and you know when you have responsibilities that impact other people. But I think a lot of times we can over-prioritize the issue of responsibility at the expense of our own aliveness and our own nurturance through a kind of playful engagement with life that's a resource for us. I think that um, women in particular have often been, and, and this can be true for men too in a, in a little bit different way, but mm-hmm. I think that women are somewhat hardwired as a group to be very attuned to what other people want from them. And I think this can be a survival uh, reality for our offspring, that the fact that we are wired this way keeps our children alive when at 2 a.m. they're waking up, um, right. that our sense of awareness and responsibility to what other people think, need and feel is, is uh, how to say it, it's adaptive. But for many of us, it can be so strong that it's easy to be so attuned to what others want from us that we neglect our own needs our own um, capriciousness, even like our own ability to kind of play and have pleasure and have good things in our lives. And so we will be very attuned to our responsibility to others, but neglect our responsibility to ourselves. So I think that we, in a lot of the work that I do is helping women in particular, um, but anybody who struggles with this to see that it really matters because if you don't nurture your own relationship to pleasure and to Mm -hmm. goodness and don't fulfill your responsibility to yourself and your self-development, not only do you suffer, but your relationships suffer. So even from the relationships, exactly. So even from the perspective of, I want to be a good parent, yes, there is a basic responsibility to oneself that allows you to in fact be a good parent. And so I really care that we um, don't let sometimes our kind of the way we've been socialized or our knee-jerk ease in responding to what others want from us preclude us or interfere with being responsible to our own desires and pleasures as well. Yeah, no, I I would completely agree. And I think um, from the standpoint of even friendships, you know, um, Mm. it's, it's even sometimes hard to get together with a group of women who nobody mm-hmm. wants to be the leader. Nobody wants to decide. Yes. Nobody wants right. to say, I want to do this. Yes. I want to participate yes. in this, or I would like this book group to be this way. No, yes. You know, it's almost like, yeah, it's a, like, Oh, I don't want to be the one who's saying, yes. you know, bossing people around. Yeah, and so you don't want to, yeah. you want to be <laughs> right. the boss, but you don't actually want to be the boss, you know, and it, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's kind of, and it's, yeah. it's frustrating, not, only for the group, but for a sense of self, because you walk away with this dissatisfaction. That's right. In nearly every interaction, you're you're just kind of dissatisfied right. with with these interactions, and right. and some of those, I feel like some of, I feel like a lot of that is 
is from early childhood. We, we do, like you said, tune into what other people expect and how we're supposed to be socially, you know, yes. capable in these circles. Yes. Um, but sort of acknowledging that is, is the basis for strong relationships, um, maybe started in childhood? Like, can we tap back in to a lot yeah. of those or is it something that we have to unlearn and relearn? Um, well, maybe both are true. I think, you know, if you grew up in a family and in a parent-child relationship where your own playfulness was celebrated, your own creativity and uniqueness was celebrated, you're going to have an easier time. You know, right. if your parents weren't threatened by the uniqueness of who you were and were strong enough themselves to be able to encourage it and to allow that to grow in ways that were good for you and, right. and others, right? Yeah. Um, that then that would be a much easier thing because it feels much more innate and instinctive that maybe the pressures of life and responsibility can kind of um, mask it a little bit, but it's not like, it's not far off in terms of, you don't feel guilty when you look after your own interests or wants or pursue a hobby or pursue yes. a passion. Yes. I think the people that learned, you know, either that are much more sort of wired to be attuned to what other people think and feel and or grew up in families where there was a lot of pressure to conform mm -hmm. to what the parents wanted, to what the group wanted, if they got a lot of messages that good people um, attend to the thoughts and feelings and desires of others, if they got a lot of that kind of programming, then it can be harder to even have a reference point to an earlier time because what? they felt like it was sort of told that it was the evil people, the selfish people yes. that even think about their own wants and feelings. I mean, there's a lot in religious culture. There's a lot of like putting others first. Those are the good people. Yes. And I don't, I don't like that idea because I don't think it's always about putting everyone else first. It's that you don't get out of balance that you value others and your own desires and that you kind of have a responsibility to others and yourself. And so you are navigating that inherent tension between um, your own desires and your responsibility to others in a wise way, but without negligence to either side. I think that's the wiser path. Yes. And if you had a family that taught you to do that, I think that's easier to hold on to instinctively. Yeah, that makes sense. If you didn't, you may have to consciously and deliberately value it and make room for it. And I think one way to do that is um, to look for, well, there's a lot of different thoughts I have about that, but the one way is to look at where your resentments are because sometimes resentment is easier to just resent that other people aren't valuing the things that matter to you mm -hmm. or making room yes. for the things that matter to you rather than um, taking deeper responsibility for those things and making room for them in your life and in your relationships. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and taking on that, because I did actually, um, a couple episodes ago, we talked about disappointment and resentment and mm -hmm. sort of ruminating how that makes you more of, um, mm -hmm. just puts you in mind of being the victim in the situation of, instead of saying, yes. I, you yes. know, I wanted this. And maybe yes. my disappointment is normal, right? Like I wanted this and it didn't happen or pan out. So yes. I am disappointed, but yes. it's on me to take that experience and make it 
you know, and learn from own. it and go yeah, yes. exactly. And what do I learn? And what do I want to do from here? Yes. But yes, I think that we, um, in some ways want the safety. It's easy for us as human beings to want the safety of feeling like we're owed happiness or we're owed good things, or we right. want others to offer us those good things mm-hmm. rather than really taking responsibility and tolerating the inherent risk of disappointment. Yeah. Or discomfort in, too. Or discomfort. Absolutely. Or exposure or whatever it is mm-hmm. in going and seeking out the things that we want and trying to create more room for them because we don't like all the exposure that's in that, the exposure right. to disappointment, the exposure of ourselves and what we desire, the asking often for things from other people to make that possible. Yes. You know, it's hard to do that and it's easy to want the idea that we've really been socialized into as women in particular to want to be Cinderella and wait for a prince to ride up on a horse and give us a life, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And, and it's a very tempting idea, but it doesn't end up going well. And it's because, also not very enriching. Like no. your brain doesn't actually really evolve if you're just sitting and waiting. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so it's a, it, we pay a big price if we do that to ourselves. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm having a hard time like staying ahead of the conversation here now because I, I just want to hang on every word here. It's phenomenal. Um, so as our relationships through life become more complicated, you know, as we mm-hmm. sort of grow and mature and, and, you know, we have more relationships, hopefully we have a broader diverse base than, you know, who's down the block. Um, mm-hmm. How can we lay foundations for lasting relationships? So maybe even mm-hmm. if... So let's say we were supported through childhood in our individuality mm-hmm. and we, you know, mm-hmm. we're able to create a good partnership, but how do we create relationships as adults, even, mm-hmm. you know, with our partners, with our, mm-hmm. you know, friends and even, children, you know, even. Mm-hmm. yeah, grown children mm-hmm. or even, you know, extended mm-hmm. family sometimes can feel like strangers. How do mm-hmm. we lay groundwork for those relationships that, that value our personal desire? Yeah. Well, I would say the control is primarily in you, not in the person you're in relationship with. So you may be with somebody who devalues your development or devalues your desires, and yes. that's never good. And that's um, an issue you would have to deal with, right, for you to be right. happy. And lay some but, boundaries. And, right, exactly. Yeah. But what we often tend to do is focus on, I resent that you don't value me as an equal. I resent that you don't make room for my desires and my wishes. And I can feel like a victim rather than confronting the part we do have control of, which is how am I in relationship to my own desires? How am I in relationship to my own sense of self? Yes. Because it's, uh, it's a harder focus to have, but it's really the mechanism of change. Meaning we seldom, to quote David Schnarch on this, we seldom get more respect from other people than the amount of respect we have for ourselves. Oh, fascinating. Yes. Right. Yes. So if we, so we kind of teach people how to relate to us by how we relate to ourselves. Do we throw away our wishes? Do we throw away our opinion? Do we say, oh, you know, never mind. It doesn't matter. Meaning we're teaching people, okay, well, I don't need to value what she's saying then, or he's saying. And so, you know, but if you take yourself seriously, which is not to say that you're a bully. Okay. Because a lot of times we think, oh, it's one or the other. Right. You can take yourself seriously and take other people seriously. You can respect yourself and respect others. 
um, but you're, you know, you have a place at the table and you think of yourself that way, then you're not going to be drawn to a relationship where your desires and feelings get devalued. You know, I, yes. you know, when I was dating, I could track pretty quickly. How does this guy see himself in relationship to me? I said, I didn't want to go to another football game on the date. And that's still what he still, did. Yes. Good information. Yes. <laughs> good feedback. Good feedback. And I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I, you know, and so it's, it's like, you can kind of see like, does this person, feel threatened by knowing your real thoughts and feelings and desires, not because you're bullying, but because you're showing them who you are, right? You can you if you are holding yourself in self respect, it will quickly show you who can handle a strong person, and who can't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I it brings to mind, um, I think it was your, I'm going to quote you to you. How's that? How's that for great? But I think it's your women in fire. Is that the right name oh, of yeah. the podcast? Uh -huh. Where yeah. you talk about um, like the anxiety, we transmit our anxiety to our children about, I think yes. that talk was about chastity and it, the yep. law of chastity and things like that. Um, yep. And, but if we're anxious about our own relationship with ourselves, we're more likely to have a social anxiety around how other people are going to perceive us. Perceive or, us, absolutely. Or treat us or things like that. And so... Some yes. of the calmest people I'm around, even if they're high energy people, yes. are the people that are sort of centered on their they're own. They're comfortable with themselves. Yes. Like they have they're an anchor peace. to yes. themselves. Yes. That's right. And, That's and right. I think as we grow in relationships, if we can find our anchor that will keep us anchored, yes, then we can build those relationships on an actual foundation that will last. Because if we're That's true to right. ourselves... Even if we change, you know, even if we alter ourselves in some perceptive way to the uh, the other side of the relationship, yeah, and they're able to track that and say, "Hey, you changed." We can say, "Yes, but I'm still true to me. It's yes, still me to the best in myself." That's right, yes. I'm true to the best in me. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so you're absolutely right. That is the the anchor because there's integrity in it. It's like you're, you're solid in something honest in you. And that doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean that you're, there's not ongoing development right. and self-awareness, but it's not a house divided. It's not in a sort of deception. And when we, and this is developmental. So, so that we don't pathologize ourselves around this, because when mm -hmm. we are young, we, we can't have a self except to look to others to tell us about who we are and right. whether or not we're okay. And so that's where we start. But then if we're maturing psychologically, mm -hmm. then we are looking more for a sense of what does it mean to be true to me, to the uniqueness of who I am. And right. other people may think and feel and believe this. I know that in my honest heart, I think and feel this, or other people may tell me I sh should, you know, I grew up being kind of told that good women don't want a career and right. they want to love a man and get married early. And, um, you know, because I was coming of age in the eighties and, and so that was a much more dominant idea right. than, um, for me. And I was somewhat afraid of the fact that if I was honest with myself, I did, I didn't want to do that uh, quickly. I knew it would make me vulnerable. Yes. And so following my own feelings took some courage because I knew it would push me up against the invalidation of other people. 
And, and that was, but that's often what it takes. And that's why it's hard because you want people to feel good about you and you want people to tell you it's okay. And if you're fortunate and you have a community that says, yes, go thrive, you know, then, then you don't feel like you're kind of have to choose between belonging to the group and belonging to yourself. Yes. But this, if you ever value your belonging to a group over your self-respect, you will undermine yourself. You will undermine your relationships ultimately. So you can't place priority over the group or over belonging. Yes. Higher than your self-respect. That's always very important. Well, and I think that's something we don't take into account when we're, you know, valuing other people's opinions over our own, Mm -hmm. right? We're invalidating who we are but also how we are in the group. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and so I can't remember what what the comment was you made earlier, but yes, if, yes, if we are like thinking about who we are relative to how everybody else sees us, our anxiety will be higher. We will be more discrepant in how we show up in different situations And we're not as easy to be with because there's a lot more anxiety because the locus of control is outside of you, not within you. Not within you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love this. (laughs) I love this. Okay. So if you, if you are a woman, you are a woman, but Mm -hmm. if you're Uh another woman finding herself, Mm -hmm. but not knowing her own interests or desires or maybe let's give them three things they can start prioritizing sure. themselves to reacquaint sure. themselves. Yeah. So um, you sent this question before, so I wrote a couple of things and I think I came up with four things. So oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, looking out for this resentment that I talked about is really important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically it can be the canary in the coal mine. It can be that red flag that there's something here that I want but I'm making other people responsible for giving it to me. That's usually what resentment is. I see. And so what do I need to deal with to, to address the thing that I want? What's my responsibility to myself Mm -hmm. in um, attending to the thing that I want either. Okay. It could be, I'm being immature and I want something that's dumb. I'm, I'm sitting around resenting that life isn't easy and everybody's not coddling me. Okay. Well, right. you might say, okay, that's not a legitimate thing to want. And I need to let that go. So it might be like, I'm being immature and I need to let it go. Yeah. But if it's that, no, I am not, I am doing more than my share of the work in the household. I'm doing more than is healthy for me to do. I, then how do I need to address and change this? without just hating everybody else, right. but actually attend to my role in the under attention to my own desires and needs. Yes. And stand up for that um, without standing on other people, right? But of stand course, yes. up for what it is you want and really take responsibility for a change. Yes. Like, like for example, I would often be the one who's cleaning up the kitchen and but not asking the kids to come back and do yes. their part and not reinforcing and so it's, that. Yeah. So it's easy to be like in a victim superior, like, oh my gosh, I do so much around here, you know, rather. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm feels good so good, you know, I'm in the good. moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Rather than how do I really address this, that people are truly doing their part and I'm not kind of resentfully filling in. Yes. And so what is, what job do I have to attend to here to make this be more right? Yes. Um, 
the other thing is, I mean, as we talked about taking your own development seriously, your education, your training, the pursuit of your hobbies Mm -hmm. um, and interests, your own physical and emotional health seriously, that you are thinking about yourself as somebody that you have a responsibility to as much as anyone else. Right. And that you are in relationship to yourself with at least as much concern and attention as you would have to anyone else you have a responsibility to. Yes. So that you're not, you know, deprioritizing instinctively. Now I understand when children are small or there's a, that that you may deprioritize for a period of time and that it's a deliberate decision and that there is, and it's not just how to say it. I understand that you may at times deprioritize, but it's done out of a deliberate, thoughtful decision as opposed to an instinctive deprioritization. That's the more dangerous. Yeah, well, because I think there's always going to be exception. There's always going to be somebody that has a special needs child or uh, even a kid gets sick or, you know, there are times when that needs to become the priority, but it is not the sole priority of your life. That's right. That's exactly right. And so it's, it's when we just habitually do it and instinctively do it, that we really create um, a trap for ourselves, um, or we co-create a trap for ourselves. And then I would say similarly to that, don't be perfectionistic about your pursuits, because I think a lot of times when women take my art of desire course and they're like, Hey, I want to prioritize my desires more. Mm -hmm. Then there's this very demanding judgment on it. Like what if it's not the right desire? What if I use family resources and it's not what I really want to do or become. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, well, if I'm going to do something that matters to me, I better do it the right way. Okay. Yes. And, there's the- and again, we wouldn't put that on our children. We wouldn't put that on our spouse. Well, maybe we would, I don't know, but even though, but it's In a, the right it's a scenario. We might, yeah, yeah we might. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, but it's like, it, of course you don't want, you don't want to be um, foolish about or, or spending frivolous. tremendous resources yes. or frivolous. But on the other hand, there that we are inherently kind of creative, um, innovative humans, um, yes. and so there's a lot of things we can try that we will develop capacity through trying it and doing it, and it will inform a deeper sense of who we are and what we care about. Yes. Plus, expand our ability to make a difference in the world. So you know, sometimes we're like, what's the correct path? I must pray until I know, then get on it, never get off it. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, as I talk about in the, that course, that it's a much more reflexive, creative process. And the, and the path is never linear. Like, you know, I started out studying design, you know, I didn't start out in psychology and Mm -hmm women's studies and so on. And so that, you know, as I kind of went forward, I would say, I like this, but I don't know if I like it enough. Or there's this other thing that I really care about that I want to pursue. And then as I pursued that, it informed other interests within that pursuit. And that's the process of development. So not getting too hard on ourselves and just valuing it as a way of being human and a way of being happy in and of itself. Um, And then I think that the last idea would be just looking for things, if you're like, well, I don't even know where to start. I would be looking for things that matter to you. Even if you think they don't matter that much, like why would it matter that I'm so good at organizing closets? Well, 
because the world needs organizers. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and you need to and, be able to find things and maybe that and, brings you some sense of calm and exactly, like, exactly. And maybe it's linked to other interesting capacities that you have that could be extended into other projects and other realities that matter to you. Yes. And so the more that you kind of say, well, let's just start with what are my interests and do I have, how to say it, are there realities out there that I think there's a need that I can bring myself to? Yes. Like, for example, you might care about um, oh, the issue of voter fraud, you know, so no, <laughs> that might be. Some, so is there something that I can do to um, be a part of that process? And you develop skills in the process of attending to something that you care about or you want right. to address or whatever it might be. Which I so, love giving, you know, giving voice to the purpose you feel even in small areas allows you to have the choice to expand. You know, that's your, right. Your acknowledgement of that allows you to say, okay, on what spectrum, you know, maybe organized closets, maybe don't give you a, you know, heart palpitations, yes. but you can take that to some other area of maybe organizing the PTA really is a good thing. Or maybe you really want to go to school and learn how to manage something. You exactly. Know, I mean, it's That's exactly right. Exactly. And so like my son, who's on the autism spectrum, but he's very good at math and he's very good at systems. And he also cares about politics. So he's thought, you know, he started out in computer science. He's done a year of that. But now he's like, I think I want to go into cybersecurity. Because oh, yes. I care about uh, keeping businesses and elections and all that safe from outside. So then that's now informed him because he cares about this higher purpose. Right. It now gives meaning to the shift in the educational plan. But it also gives meaning when things get hard or the, the course material is difficult or whatever it right. is. And exactly. so when you're doing hard things, when you're thinking about I care about being able to have an impact in this way whatever that domain is, it can be big, it can be small, but when human beings are happiest, they're making a difference for someone. Yes. And bringing their resources and skills to bear to make a difference in the world. And so, um, you know, how do I want to do that? And that, that's a, that can give meaning to the process of development as well. Which I love. Well, and going back, that's where we started. Nobody would tell a child no, you can't try finger painting and watercolor. You have to pick right. one or the other. Right, exactly. You know, it's, exactly. No one would tell right. anybody Or you that. can't try it unless you're going to be a painter. I mean, it, like, you know, we would never do that. Unless you paint like Monet, yeah. there's no way mm -hmm. I'm letting you paint. It's exactly. not, you know, that's, we hold ourselves to an unusually high bar of perfection yes, for sure. We do. Um, but allowing yourself to try or, or even just enjoy what you enjoy is a really yes. great point to just where to start enjoy yes. what you enjoy and, exactly. and start noticing. Yes. I think it's fantastic. That's exactly right. Noticing without judgment. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So we're, we're almost to the end of our zoom, which is a little sad. I got to say, this has, been really, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, but if you could leave a single message for the world, um, mm. that anyone would hear it would take to heart. What would that be? Gosh. Hmm. So tricky. Okay. Cause like one message, Okay, I'm going to try and get more than one message into one <laughs> Great. sentence. I love it. Cram it all <laughs> Well, what I would say is that what you do matters because we need each other. And the more 
integrity and courage you do that with, the better the world will be. And so that's my idea. It's like, how can you bring your courageous self, develop skills and abilities and so on that make a difference, not just for you, but for the people you're in relationship with. And that makes a difference in this world. We can't escape the morality of the world we live in. So that's my idea. I love it. Of course. Of course you end with the perfect quote. (laughs) Of course. It's great. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here.